podcast on Word of Mom Radio. What's one thing technology and dance have in common? They're both passions of my guests today. Julia Lumpkin is the founder of Magnify Consulting and a digital marketer with years of experience who has helped numerous businesses achieve their goals through strategic planning, creative campaigns, and data-driven insights. Lumpkin is also a dancer and fitness instructor for studios and city-sponsored programs in New York City. Welcome to the Girls That Create podcast, Julia Lumpkin. Thank you, Erin. It's so great to be here. I can't wait to talk to you today. You've had a love of dance since childhood. Was there like a performance or a movie or some artistic work that you saw that really made an impact on you when you were a youngster and kind of just starting to see the world? Absolutely. So my earliest memory is watching Dirty Dancing on VHS. My mom loved dance, even though she wasn't a dancer herself. And I think it came out, the movie itself actually came out the year I was born, but my mom watched it over and over and over. So again, the earliest memory I have is we we were watching Dirty Dancing together. And I just remember, obviously, the dancing, but the passion, the drama, the work ethic of them working so hard on those routines. And my friends and I, as I got older, would practice, obviously, the lift. And <laughs> practicing like the tree walking scene. So it was just very much ingrained in me. And of course, the movie was just beautiful. But that was my, I think, what made me fall in love with not only dance, but the art of rehearsal and perfecting a craft and studying really hard. So yeah, it was definitely dirty dancing. So did you do dance classes when you were younger and then kind of moved to doing more dance activities at school? Absolutely. So I, outside of school, I think I started in dance in kindergarten, so about four or five. And so I was in a, in my small town of Albany, Georgia, there were a few dance studios. And so I started taking dance lessons when I was about four or five in kindergarten while, you know, also going to school. And I mean, the rest was history. Again, my, like my mom always had a passion for dance. So when I was old enough, she put me in dance classes and it wasn't something that she had to force me to go to. I like right away just took to it and looked forward for my dance lessons and continued to study dance with that same dance studio from kindergarten through high school and then continued through college. So it was just early on, like we were already watching dance. My mom loved dance. She put me in dance and there the rest was history. Now you also though developed a love for technology growing up as well, which is kind of like a whole different passion path. Can you tell, walk me right. through some of that? What kind of inspired you to be interested in tech? Yeah, as I was thinking about this, I don't know that early on I knew that I was passionate about technology. I do remember um, math and science were always my favorite subjects in school, and I did really well in math and science. And so I, I remember sort of in elementary school, I started to develop a fascination with taking some of my electronics apart and attempting to put them together to like create something new or have something automatically do things. It never worked, but I do remember taking some things apart. So I think I just started having a fascination behind the workings of things and how to build things. And then I know that as I progressed 
through middle school and high school. Again, I always did well in math and science. And some of my teachers started saying, it might be good for you to consider a career in engineering because you're really good at <laughs> the math part and it comes naturally to you. So I think probably high school was the first, and obviously you're getting ready for college. So high school was the first time that I started thinking about, well, what do I want to do, right? So obviously dancing would be a thing, but I remember never wanting to have to choose. So I decided I wanted to continue studying computers or things using a computer in some way. So I uh, decided to study computer science, but I still love dance. I minored in dance and Spanish. I've always done so many different things. Like I don't like to choose. I just know that I love both. And that's how it started. I was always taking dance classes and also in math debate clubs and all of that. So I just kind of grew up doing both of, of both worlds. And then after graduating college, you worked as a senior IT developer during the day, but then you performed with a professional dance company at night. What was it like having this dual existence? Like during day, you're one thing, at night, you're com something completely different. Yeah. So like I said, I don't know any other way to live. <laughs> that's, that's what I've been doing since I was in elementary school, always doing both. So, you know, I went to college and I majored in, in starting computer science, moved to management information systems. But in addition to minoring in dance, I was in about three to four different dance companies over the time. And so I know that when I graduated college, a lot of other young dancers, like that's about the time where you're like, am I going to pursue a career in dance? Actually, am I good enough? Can I go to New York? But again, I always loved tech and dance. So I knew I was going to get a consulting type job, but I needed to keep dancing. And so, you know, it kind of started off as, well, I'll just keep taking, there's always adult dance classes. I was in Atlanta at that time. But then what was nice is there were professional companies where a lot of us still work. <laughs> so it actually made for the a perfect combination of I was able to have a full-time job and we had late night rehearsals and then we would go and travel on the weekend and so yeah I found a, a perfect opportunity to keep doing what I love and not giving up either one. I didn't even ask what type of dance um, do you do? What, what was the focus of all the different genres of dance? Well I've been trained in pretty much everything from ballet to modern or lyrical depending on um, what age you are. <laughs> But I would say my closest kind of favorite type is more of like the contemporary, like dancing barefoot and, and kind of feeling the music. I've trained or taken classes at Ailey, so that Horton style is um, something I'm passionate about. But yeah, that's like my favorite. And then I can do hip hop and jazz, I'm a little bit of a chameleon there, but definitely the, the feels type of movement. So tell me about moving to New York City, because there came a point where you decided to say, I'm going to step out of the tech world for a little bit, focus on the dance world, and become a dance fitness instructor. Yes, my journey to that was actually interesting. I was working at a Fortune 500 company in their tech department, again, as a senior IT developer. And, you know, I would work late nights, honestly. I worked, without saying the company, I worked in international logistics, and that meant I worked my nine to five, but I also had a team that I oversaw overseas. So at night, I was often talking to developers. And at some point, as I worked my way up through the company, my manager at the time, he was the first one that was very much about work-life balance. And so he's my first manager in my life where 
he would get off at five and he'd say, I'm going to be with my family. Like, and he wouldn't be emailing like late at night, which was not the norm <laughs> in our company. And, you know, we would talk about what we were interested in after work. And one day he said to me, he's like, I know I shouldn't say this because obviously you're great and everybody loves you here, but if dance is your passion, you should pursue that. And so he kind of gave me the impetus to like, go ahead and pursue it. And so, but I'm still like a very like studious, I do things, but it's not just a drop of a hat. So I had a whole six month plan and I, while I was working at a company that I was paid very well at, I set aside money over the course of six months. So it was very well thought out. I had done research on all the boroughs of New York and yeah, so essentially I saved money, but quit that job. I had no work lined up in New York City. I had no dancing books. I just knew that once I got there and just got in the dance community and started auditioning that I would just find my way. And so that's what I did. <laughs> a lot of family were like, what? No job lined up? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I just came on faith and passion and networked through the dance community, would get some gigs and things here and there. And I actually fell into dance fitness because it was an opportunity. When you're auditioning, you need a lot of time during the day and you need flexibility to get to these auditions. So it was about finding jobs that were flexible enough for me to be able to say, hey, I have an audition and I don't work. So in addition to bartending and hosting and some other, you know, New York City jobs to support yourself as an artist, I found that there were dance companies and fitness companies. And for me, it was natural, like, well, I want to stay in shape <laughs> anyway. I like to dance and found myself with that opportunity. But it actually turned out to be this bigger than imaginable opportunity because I started with a startup where I was one of maybe five people that started with the company. So I was with them for seven years and got to be with them during the growth. And honestly, I was dancing, but you know, me, as you've heard so far, I at some point said, Hey, you know, I can help you fix the website. And they were like, great. You're now our digital communications manager. <laughs> and, you know, not only did I help with the website and content creation there, but I also did email marketing and other digital things within the company while also being a full-time trainer. So I left all of my other little side gigs and just put, started working for this one company where I kind of had the best of both worlds. I was doing the tech side and the marketing side plus dancing. And so, yeah, that was the first seven years in New York. Fantastic. And then, of course, dancing comes to stop because the pandemic, I'm guessing. Yeah, it kind of is so close uh, timing-wise. But, yeah, essentially, I had been with that company for seven years, and I left January of 2020, not knowing that the pandemic was coming. I just knew that I wanted to do something different. I wanted to figure out kind of what my strengths are and also help people in different ways. Instead of just being with one company, I actually started freelancing. So I left with the intention of I'm going to freelance. I might apply to another job, but I need, I've been with this company for so long that I need to figure out what my skill set in life is outside of this company. So it was very much not accidental. Like I intentionally left in January and there were about four weeks where I was living my new freelance life, getting back to like just taking dance classes and ballet and all of that, then the city shut down, <laughs> New York City. Right. But fortunately for me, 
in the space that I am, where I help with websites and mm-hmm. online marketing, I started getting leads of friends and, and people that I knew saying, hey, can you help bring my website online? Or, you know, I'm a dance instructor. I've only ever taught in-person classes. Now I need to film myself and record. Can you help me build my website? So, you know, obviously it was unfortunate with the pandemic, but I actually got a lot of business because I just started getting referrals for people to help them move their business or make their online website more efficient to get more traffic. How did you come up with the name Magnify Consulting for your business? That's a great question. I don't know if I've ever been asked this before. Um, Honestly, I brainstormed with friends. So as I was telling them, um, you know, some of my services, which is SEO and, and website, email marketing. With SEO, there's a magnify symbol that's often used if you search for SEO pictures. And so we started playing around with names. So literally in a group chat, like we were talking about names, but then we were thinking of names that we could also play with the idea of the magnifying glass. So, you know, my slogan is actually, uh, we focus on your focus. And so as we started to play with ways that we could use it, it's like, okay, this makes sense. Like there's a magnifying glass. We're talking about search and visibility. Um, There's so many ways to be creative with that. So, yep. It was honestly my great group of friends. I'm like, hey, starting a business. <laughs> Let's brainstorm some ideas. So you mentioned SEO. What other services do you provide? Yeah, so outside of SEO, that is our big core service. And I say core because we get a lot of clients with needing help with SEO. That's one of those. I know what SEO is. I've tried to do it, but I need help. But our other services, I call it website enhancement because um, generally a lot of people come to me with an existing website, but it's not getting clicks or conversions. And a lot of it is like, well, if we move things around and designed it a little bit differently, you know, you don't have to start from scratch. So the other service that we have is website enhancement. Uh, That's when you have an existing website and we're just enhancing it to get more functionality. Uh, But we also do website creation so we can create websites from scratch. Our third service is email marketing. And then we actually have added a new service this year. So we do copywriting. So we started to get books for people that they don't need their website updated or touched. They just need brand new copy or they need self-paced. So we offer just pure copywriting services. And then outside of that, you can always just work with me one-on-one for marketing consultations. Very good. I know in your communications about your business that you mentioned diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's a strong part of the foundation of Magnify Consulting. Can you share why you wanted to make sure that that was communicated and why that's kind of helped direct you and your business and your clients and the direction of how you're growing? Absolutely. I mean, honestly, I've been, until I started my own business, I've been in spaces where I was the only one that looked like me. So, you know, growing up in a small town, even, you know, I just think about my dance studio early on. I was often the only black girl. I did gymnastics. I might've been the only black girl there. I did swimming and piano and a lot of things that my friends were cheerleading and maybe doing some school activities, but not really pursuing ballet in that way or piano or things like that. So, you know, I just grew up a lot of times being the only black girl in spaces. And then when I graduated and I had my first job in tech, I was surrounded by a lot of white males. And so my experience growing up and then navigating in the industry that I've been in is that 
generally I'm usually the first or the only one in a lot of spaces that I've populated. And so for me, it was important to have a company that welcomed people that look like me, whether it's uh, women-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses. And then even my team is a reflection of how diverse the world is. The world isn't one way, so I definitely wanted to create a space both with clients and people that work with me that felt they were included automatically. It's no secret that today's creatives need a handle on their online presence. For creatives who are starting out, what is the first thing they should focus on when trying to establish that presence online? Start small and be consistent. So I talked to a lot of clients that, unfortunately, social media is here and we have to embrace it whether we want to or not. It is a tool for marketing. But I always say that the algorithms, they reward consistency. And, and yes, you see a lot of people posting a lot and doing all these things. But when you're starting by yourself, you have to honor what you're capable of doing consistently. So if you're starting out with, you know, I'll use social media, for example, and I even did this myself as I was growing, it might have been, I can commit to one post a week, and I, but I can do that consistently. I can do one, when I started off, I was actually like, I can do one newsletter a quarter. <laughs> You know, it, it was a lot trying to balance like the marketing plus actually doing work. But I always tell everyone, start low and consistent and then build from there. It's much easier to maintain that. The algorithm actually notices that. What the algorithm is going to hate is if you post seven times a week and then you disappear for three months and you try to come back, right? So if it's that you start with one post or one newsletter, start and then grow what you're naturally able to maintain over time. So even in my own example, this was the first year where I'm like, okay, now we can do one newsletter a month because I have things to say. And then I'm actually now like, okay, I think I have so much to say and so much is happening that we might explore two newsletters a month just to break up some of the content. But just following my own advice, it's been so much easier to grow slowly and organically and what I can maintain and not feel overwhelmed by. I think that's kind of the hardest part is you see all the shiny things and you think you have to try to do all the things and really pick one or two things. Yep. How do you see the intersection of creativity and tech shaping the future of how people show up online? Because we now have these phenomenal tools that are allowing like creativity to flow, whether it's through video and music and artwork and how that's displayed and shared. The gatekeepers that used to exist that decided who got to share and who got to see what is just, you know, completely disappeared now. And now we can all kind of go out and find things that interest us, excite us, inspire us. And can you share, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the opportunities that brings to the table for creators and just, and again, why it's so important to have a handle on how you're showing up online. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. So the gatekeepers are now gone because everything on its own can be viral, right? You don't need someone to post on your behalf. And if we look at what's happening in the online space, you're actually rewarded for your creativity of how creative you are talking about a certain topic. So, you know, I'm on TikTok and I get a mix of, of babies and dogs, but also lawyers who are creatively giving me tips and tricks. And uh, here's how to DIY your apartment. And obviously the ones that are doing it in a creative way are standing out. So I think you have to embrace and understand that creativity is now being rewarded online. Essentially, to stay with the times, you need to embrace that creatively and think about even how the most mundane part 
of your your job can be told in an interesting way or even that relatability factor so a lot of in marketing you probably you you know that we often talk about like what are your themes what are your marketing pillars right so on my social media we don't just talk about my services i do a lot of relatability as an entrepreneur because that's my target group like typically entrepreneurs. And so just being able to say like, oh, this was a struggle for me or just bringing that factor of you're not alone makes me more interesting as a person. So I think that you should embrace that creativity and you'll see that you're rewarded more for being authentic and talking about something in a more interesting way. That's how you're going to stay with the times of marketing as as we now shift to AI as well. We're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of the Girls That Create podcast is brought to you by the Girls That Create website, where we provide parenting resources for raising creative girls, while also encouraging greater female representation across the arts. Visit us at www.girlsthatcreate.com, where you'll find articles by some of our podcast guests, including Dr. Michelle Borba, Jessica Leahy, Renee Trudeau, and many more. You can also sign up for the Girls That Create newsletter at www.girlsthatcreate.com slash newsletter. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers, and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Are you experiencing insomnia, brain fog, hot flashes, mood swings, and more? These are many of the symptoms women experience on a daily basis affecting the health of their brain and increasing the risk for dementias like Alzheimer's disease down the road. A healthy lifestyle can make a big difference for the health of the brain, but Brain Love Health took it further and created an innovative nutritional supplement, especially for women, to support us through this transitional time while also promoting better sleep and long-term brain health. Don't wait any longer to help your brain age well. Why let it deteriorate? The health of your brain is in your hands. To begin protecting it today, visit BrainLoveHealth.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Don't let the name fool you. StadiumBags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back with Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio. My guest today is Julia Lumpkin, owner of Magnify Consulting. 
So you have Magnify Consulting, but you also still have your love of dance. And I would love to hear your thoughts about keeping both of those passions alive, because I think when people start out in a career, they may think it's going to go one direction, and then they realize it has gone totally different. They've followed a different path, and then they get older, and then they may look up and be like, wow, I've this has been great, but this is not what I want to do forever, and I maybe mm. I want to go do something else or return to something else that is actually what I really love. And I would just love to hear about those transitions and how you yourself have kind of balanced having these two very diverse interests. That's such a great question because I've had to tap into what my passions are when things have gotten hard. And so you're right. You know, when I started Magnify, obviously as an entrepreneur, you're kind of bolted into how do I get clients and how do I make this work? Because now I am sustaining myself. So what that looks like. And, you know, as I was building out, I, there was a time when I actually focused less on dance because I had done dance my whole life and it had been such a part of me. I didn't realize how connected that was to my overall happiness and just uh, well-being. And so, yeah, there were times where I was just getting burnt out and I wasn't. So the way I kind of keep up with dance is I would still go take dance classes after work or on the weekend and just kind of keep myself fresh as well as still being a fitness trainer. Um, but I did less of that. Um, and honestly, you know, when things got toughest with my business and even my mental health, I had people that have known me for years saying, well, are you dancing? Because you literally, we know you as the dancer, like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, you know, I've been focused on work and they reminded me of who I truly am, which is a person who loves to dance and I am happiest. My, my brain tends to like go all day. Dance is the only time where I'm just focused on what I'm learning, what I'm dancing and not like thinking about anything else. And so, you know, I had to realize that that is still a part of me and it may not be dance for you. It might be yoga or, you know, walking your dog, but realizing that you have to prioritize the things that you still love to be able to give to the work that you have to do. And so I kind of slowly worked my way back into it. So at first it was, instead of starting my day with just going straight on my computer, which is what I did during the pandemic, I literally eyes open, computer open, I'm answering emails, <laughs> doing work. I started a habit of going for a walk, <laughs> just going for a walk. And I would find that just, even if it was a quick walk outside in that moment, things that I was stuck on was like all of a sudden coming to me just by taking a breath <laughs> that didn't involve like looking at my computer screen. So that's for me, I just tapped into, I still need to prioritize myself. I am the happiest and can produce the best work when I prioritize myself first. That's still a hard lesson to learn coming from corporate and all of the startups. But I think it's been the most valuable lesson and something that I'm going to continue to do and hope that others do as well. I think, too, as uh, entrepreneurs, it's easy to forget the work will always be there and there will always be more work. You can never yes. catch up on everything. That's an impossible goal. Yep. Unfortunately, you never will catch up. And once the sooner you learn that, <laughs> the easier it is. That's a, such a great point, Erin, because now I would be stressed out sometimes at night trying to finish things or, you know, I said I was going to have something by a certain date, but I have learned that there's only so many hours in the day and that I'm so much better if I have to start fresh. And so I've been able to finish my days going, well, that was what I could fit in that day <laughs> and then start again tomorrow. And I, I always feel so much better. 
And I'm going to ask, I, I cannot not ask you these, this question because it's on everybody's mind. So you know exactly where I'm going. How is AI affecting your business? What do you see with that trend all of a sudden? And it's funny because it's something that's been there and then all of a sudden it was just like a flood happened and it was everywhere. Yeah. So I've been, I've been hearing about AI like years before <laughs> it blew up online, but honestly it's not. And I actually talked to other marketers about it. And what I can say that we are good at and magnify, and I pride myself on this is we listen to the customer and understand your voice and the way that you want to communicate things. And it's not about just taking your copy and regurgitating it, but we listen to how, what your brand voice is, and we elevate that. And that's a skill that, at least for now, AI just can't quite do. But I will say with any technology that I've been in tech a long time, so I have learned very early on to embrace tech as soon as possible, because there's always going to be new technology. Um, so I usually am like, okay, well, let me learn this thing. And so for me, it serves more as a partner, right, than a tool that's going to take away some of our work. So even now, you know, with SEO, there are tools that help us. If we're writing a blog, it will use the keyword and maybe make suggestions. And so I tell my team, this is an outline, this is suggestion, but we are paid to be the copywriters and have that voice and I've just found that it's, it's just not as creative as we would be. And then I've also heard from other marketing partners, horror stories where maybe someone on their team just let the AI do the work and didn't proofread. And then they present it to clients and they were doing like a bio and the, the AI was making head facts that were just completely not true. And so with anything, with any technology, not just AI, is that you should use it as a tool, but not as a replacement for you. I think it's definitely helpful and, you know, I use it in, I can say, I'm thinking about meeting topics on this and it will go, here are some great suggestions. Great. Let me add in this. And I would say it this way. So yeah, I don't fear AI, I embrace it, but it is not a, currently right now something that I think can take the place of a really good work ethic. And I know even with the actor strike that's happening now, you know, there's been this idea of AI <laughs> replacing, but I've seen some of the signs and they're like, yeah, AI couldn't have written this particular scene. And I completely right. agree. <laughs> there's just something about the human quality and quirkiness that makes what we create so much more unique. Absolutely. How many times have we all seen a film where something was going on in the background that made us laugh or made us, you caught our mm -hmm. attention as a background actor who's actually right into the moment and a computer would never be able to off the cuff be spontaneous yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. what advice do you have for girls as they're getting older and trying to figure out I feel when I was when I was younger you know we kind of had a little bit more time almost to figure out what we wanted to pursue and now I feel that keeps getting shorter and shorter you're in junior high and they're like well what are you going to pursue are you going to be in tech are you going to be this are you going to be that are you going to you know be in and you know, it's a little bit overwhelming, I think, to try to put that on young people. So what advice would you have for parents who are raising girls who are kind of in those moments and how to help, you know, but help them find their passion at the same time and understand that they could have multiple passions and that's totally fine. That's such a great point. The amount of whenever we post for internships, the amount of high schoolers that are applying is 
shocking. They are saying, I'm a freshman in high school and, you know, I'm already the president of three different clubs because that's how competitive it is to get into colleges these days. So, you know, I've definitely seen that through our applications and I'm also a mentor, my undergrad for people in my major. So I definitely see how competitive it is. And I get this question a lot. For me, it's about finding spaces like Girls That Create that fosters that idea of thinking outside of the box. For me, for sure, it was joining groups for girls or I would say communities, um, mentors that really think outside the box as well. So, you know, I mentioned this was obviously when I had a full-time job, but for senior, almost VP of my company to say, you know what, I think you should pursue dance was like huge. And so finding those people that think outside of what the norm is and, and having them as mentors. So, I would say I definitely found different pockets of those from elementary school and upwards. So I would say definitely finding communities, mentors. Yeah, I, I think those those have been the biggest two that have helped me. And my mom was definitely supportive. And she's very much like you need the full-time job and <laughs> to pay your bills. So that's how I kind of ended up in tech. But I ended up in New York because when I was in middle school going into high school, I was in a dance group that we would come up to New York for our spring break and take classes at AOE and all of the dance videos and just showing me a life that was possible outside of my, I lived in a very small town where a lot of people didn't actually go to college. So yeah, I, I think whether it's your family kind of allowing you to think outside the box or finding communities and mentors that don't follow the norm. If you could go back in time, what is something you wish you could tell yourself when you started Magnify Consulting? Oh, so many things. How do I narrow this down to one thing? It can be okay, a couple. So may, yeah, <laughs> I'm probably going to say a couple because I think there were there are a few key things that I learned. I would say the most important is to believe in your abilities and start small. So it can be... I actually mentor some entrepreneurs in a few programs that I'm in now and just kind of now that I'm three years in telling them my experience and hearing some of the things that I said when I just started. So they say things like, well, my target audience is everybody. Like I just want business, right? Not understanding how much work goes into running a business. And when you start offering too many things or spreading yourself too thin, then the quality of work can go down. And as a new entrepreneur, that's the last thing that you want. You want to be known for being consistent with quality work. So overall, I would say start small while knowing your capabilities and then let the growth happen from there. That's very good advice. I think, too, also realizing it's going to take time. If you are building an online presence, that also takes time. There's one in a overnight overnight successes. (laughs) Unless you go viral, but again... And sometimes people go viral and they never wanted to go viral either. But also people go viral and they're not prepared for this success. And so, you know, working really diligently on, and again, I was talking to entrepreneurs about this just last week of, great, what if you do get those 50 clients that you're trying to get by the end of the year? What is the plan? How are you going to maintain that? Like, what is the structure? What are you actually capable of supporting? And so, yes, it'd be great to go viral. That's what we all want. But you need to thoroughly think about what the what it looks like when you only have one client or one service or one product or whatever it is, um, what that looks like to grow. And then what happens if you luckily get the traction that you wanted 
and it's still you by yourself. So you still have to think um, thoroughly about what the plan is. And most people don't. They're just throwing paint at a wall or throwing, you know, something at the wall and hoping that it sticks. Last question. What is your go-to song when you need to pick me up? I have go-to albums, but uh, the first song that came to mind for this question is a song by Solange Knowles. That's Beyonce's little sister. It's called Losing You. And it has a very upbeat, I'm not like hearing it now, has a very, and I don't sing, so I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> has a very upbeat vibe. I think I turn it on maybe on a Saturday if I need to clean and I need like a song that just kind of makes me feel good. And then I also I visualize the videos so in the video. She's, I think this song is one of those songs where it's like, if you listen to the words, it's like, oh, she's talking about maybe a heartbreak. However, she is dancing and she has this carefree vibe. And so it just brings me like a lot of natural joy um, if I play that song. Like it never gets old to me. So that's the first song I thought about. And then if I need to just, honestly, Beyonce's Renaissance is like, I can play it from beginning to end because it takes me through all of the range of emotions (laughs) that I ever could feel. (laughs) No, it's a very impactful album that you kind of have to go be ready for the ride. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, Julia Lumpkin, thank you so much for being on the Girls That Create podcast. Thank you for having me, Erin. This was great. To all of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on Girls That Create on Word of Mom Radio. Don't be afraid to think outside the norm and keep looking for spaces that support your passion. Here's our closing theme song by Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong.